Hey, Deal Farm listeners, on today's show, we're going to be talking about how to finance your deals. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Deal Farm Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tricks to help make you a better real estate investor. Your show hosts are Ken Corsini, star of the HGTV show Flipper Flop Atlanta, and Mike Hambright, founder of FlipNerd.com one of the nation's leading websites for real estate investors with over 100,000 subscribers. Ready to talk real estate? Let's start today's show. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with The Deal Farm on today's episode. We're going to be talking about how to finance your deals. I've got my co-host with me, Mike Hambright. Mike, how you doing? Good, good. What's happening, Ken? Oh, man, just another freezing day here in Georgia. Yeah, you know it's been cold, and I'm in Dallas. It's uh, it's been it's going to be in the teens here the next couple of days, which is uh, last year it, it never even froze here, so this is unusual. It's been a brutal winter, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, it, you know how it is when you're in Atlanta or Texas. Uh, it's nothing compared to our friends up in the Northeast or the Midwest. Uh, they're, so. they're getting pummeled right now. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to talk about a topic that is just super applicable to anybody who's trying to get into flipping and rehabbing houses. And that's how to finance your deals. Everybody wants to know where do they find their money, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's obviously, uh, you know, uh, I hear it all the time. People are afraid to get started or they say they tried to get started, but they couldn't find money and things like that. So it's a pretty, if you were to kind of go out and poll or talk to uh, a lot of new or um, prospective real estate investors, people looking to get started and you talk to them about why they haven't started yet, that usually is one of the kind of top answers we hear is I don't have I don't have money. Yeah, where do I get the money? <clears throat> Most people have no no earthly idea where to start, so they go into Google and maybe they punch in hard money Atlanta or whatever the city they're in, and and of course the the first ones that pop pop up are the ones that are at your break your legs rates. I mean, just crazy expensive. And there's definitely better ways to do it. Yeah, well, and it's funny too that a lot of people until you, until you kind of get until you until you start to understand different exit strategies. You know, if you're going to wholesale, uh, if, truly if you're going to assign properties, right, you don't even necessarily have to have money to do deals. And I think back about uh, the hundreds of deals that I've done, and um, I've very, very rarely used my own money. Even if we had money, I, I always just kind of borrow it because why would I use my own money if I can borrow it at a decent rate, you know? That's right. Yeah. And that's the misconception. Most people think that, you know, you have to use your own money to do real estate. And that's not the case at all, man. There's other people that would love a return on their money that are willing to, especially if you find a good deal and they're willing to put it in play for you. Yeah. So, uh, where did you start? Ken? when you first started, let's kind of go back. If, if, if somebody's listening right now and they are newer and, uh, you know, sometimes I think you and I get hung up talking about kind of how we do things now, let's kind of take it back to the beginning and talk about at the very beginning, how you were able to finance deals and some of, you know, I'm sure it's evolved from then, but just kind of putting sure. yourself in the shoes of a, of a newer investor. Yeah, no, if I take, take it back 10, 15 years ago, actually it been 13 years ago. Um, I didn't know anything about anything and trying to finance deals. I basically did what I said. I, <laughs> I started asking around other investors. I went to my local RIA chapter and you know, the guys that are, advertising there are your your big local hard money lenders and it's yeah. i mean it's not institutional money but it's almost run like an institution you know where you're typically paying five points and 15 percent interest you gotta put a little bit of your own money in i mean it's it's not cheap money by any stretch and then obviously the more experienced you become the more history you create for yourself then 
obviously you start finding money cheaper and cheaper and cheaper until you get it, you know, at a really reasonable rate, which is kind of where you and I are today. Yeah. And even some of, um, even some of the hard money lenders, the local guys, that a lot of times are, are more of the most expensive route. I mean, truthfully, for some real estate investors, if that's what it takes for you to get in the business, then it just is what it is. Like, it, yeah. I think a lot of times investors get get hung up on, um, well, why, I don't want to pay the, that kind of rate to to effectively to the bank. And it's like, okay, well, instead of making thirty on a deal, you make twenty two. Uh, yeah. Or your alternative is zero if you're saying that's the only option you've got. So sometimes it's just uh, it's just the best of all the evils, I guess, right? That's true. It is it is sort of the cost of doing business, especially yeah. early on, because right. you have to develop a track record before right. somebody is going to give you money cheaper than that. You have to have a track record, so you got to start somewhere. Hey, Deal Farm listeners, this is Ken Corsini, host of Flipper Flop Atlanta, as well as the Deal Farm podcast. When I'm not busy flipping houses, I spend time teaching others how to be successful in real estate investing. My friend Mike Hambright from FlipNerd.com and I have partnered up to teach others like you how to build and operate a successful real estate investing business just like us. You know, between the two of us, we flipped over a thousand houses. So whether you're brand new and looking to get started or you already are actively doing deals, we can help you build a profitable real estate investing business. We'd like to offer you a free consultation if you'd like to learn more. Simply visit DealFarm.net forward slash coaching. And you can schedule a call with our team to see if a coaching program is a fit for you. Just visit dealfarm.net forward slash coaching to set up your no obligation phone call with someone from our team today. Yeah. I know back when I was starting, I guess probably a couple of years after you started, um, like lending largely dried up, right? 2008, 2007, oh. 2009, it was kind of gone. So a lot of these, there were still some local folks, but a lot of the national folks and certainly the banks, uh, local banks and stuff like that, just, just, at least in my experience, just stopped lending. I think we had a bank oh, yeah. one time, somebody recommended me to talk to a bank that they had used many times. And then this guy actually said to me, he's like, no, we don't loan to real estate investors. That that's evil. <laughs> that's, I've heard that's not inside our box anymore. Yeah. So many times. Sorry, that's not in our box. Right, right. That try box back, try, small, try us back but, in a year or two. Yeah. But, um, so, so what, well, what, so, what did you start out, Ken? Did you start out using hard money or did you get access to some local uh, money, friend and family type money or what did you do? Well, actually, early on, first thing I did was assignments. Yeah. You know, so I was assigning deals before I was ever buying deals and that transitioned into buying deals. And actually got a handful of loans from a local bank before all that dried up from the crash. And so I used some hard, local hard money lenders and, uh, again, developed a track record of you know having successful rehabs and flips. And then, yeah, it was one of those things. You start – you find a, one friend or one relative who's willing to put in some money you know, at a slightly less, less rate. And then uh, – a little bit more, a couple more years down the road of success, and you, you start just raising private capital, and you start driving down those interest rates, and before long, you've got it at a good, you know, pretty reasonable rate. Yeah, yeah, that track record helps. I remember um, trying to get into uh, talking to people early on, and we had no track record, so that didn't help us. And of course, just the time in the market didn't work. And then at one point, we created my wife and I created a little, little like flip chart, you know, that basically had here's some deals we've done. And, yep. uh, you know, literally showing like before and after pictures. And a lot of times until you've done what we do for a living, like people just, they can't believe, how did you buy it for that cheap? Or how did you get that house? Or, you know, people are always kind of mesmerized by the transformation. Of course, you know that from your show. Um, but when you start showing that to lenders and they can kind of see your track record and you can, 
you know, I think at one point we just said, here's every deal we've done and here's how it ended up financially. And, uh, you know, we had had a pretty good track record. Then people kind of see it and they're like, oh, I, something that I once thought was risky. I, you've kind of changed my mind on that now. Yep. Well, I think you nailed it too. We did the same thing. We eventually built out a brochure with a bunch of pictures of houses that we had done and before yeah. and afters. And that goes a long way. The other thing is most private lenders, they don't get it. They don't completely understand how it works. So you really have to spell it out for them that, hey, you're in, le- in first lien position. You're basically like Wells Fargo to me. You're the bank and your money is secured by this asset. And they have to really understand how their money is secured against the property. And if you can lay that out, the other thing we would do is we'd actually give them a sample loan package. So they'd see the promissory note and the mortgage and the security deed. You're saying for and like a private for a private lender? For a private lender. You, yeah. so you really end up having to educate a potential private lender. Even if they've done a couple in the past, they still might not completely understand how it works. So it's it's really on you to to educate them onto what they're investing in and why it makes sense to invest in your deal. Yeah. Yeah, and we should note here, guys, that neither Ken or I are uh, attorneys here, so you should seek out some advice. We've had we've done some other shows in the past. I know on my Flipner podcast about uh, from attorneys that help with raising money, and truthfully, I know that it's getting a lot easier, a lot less uh, regulation on um, small investors trying to raise small amounts of money. But you definitely want to seek out some advice on on raising uh, private money and uh, how to do that the right way. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. It, 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 it definitely don't just start out throwing out advertising about how much you're going to pay. It's always you always want to start small, talking to friends and family, and maybe some friends of friends, and yep. keep it keep it as a conversation. You don't want to get in trouble with the SEC. Yeah. So the legal stuff aside, there, you know, I think one of the things uh, a buddy of ours, Corey Peterson, he, he's uh, he's gotten pretty good at raising money for large multifamily deals. But his approach is is something that really clicked with me is that you, you build up a little bit of a case study of, of how you're, what you're trying to raise money for and what you do in your business. And then you don't necessarily ask people, are you interested? You just say, do you know anybody that might be interested in this or how I can improve my presentation? And then sometimes people just self-select. They just kind of raise their hand like, well, yeah, I might be interested in this. you know. And so sometimes they're, they're a little more interested because they feel like you didn't consider them. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, what about me? What am I, chopped liver here? Yeah, so, no, that's yeah. good. Yeah, but I've done the same thing where I've sent out our brochure and said, "Hey, you, you mind forwarding this to anybody that you think might be interested in earning?" We pay twelve percent on our money. Okay, uh, and so it usually turns some eyeballs. People are like, "Wow, yeah, that's 12%. pretty good." Yeah, that's I think good. I think it's pretty solid. I might, I might lend you, Ken. So let's let's, you know, let's break on, down a couple like, things. Let's talk about we talk about hard money lenders a little bit, and we should say you know hard money lenders. We'll, we'll, there's a couple more things we could say about that. Let's talk about kind of local private lenders, and then maybe even another one that uh, that I use and that I uh, uh, think a lot about is uh, like smaller community banks. Yep. And then it pro- we probably should just mention like the large banks, the big you know, Chases and Wells Fargos of the world, and and how those just don't work. But maybe kind of share your thoughts on those guys first. Yeah. So I guess the thing we need to spell out is there's a difference between a conventional loan and like a private loan or a hard money loan. You know, you it, you can go to, you know, a big mortgage company and get a non-owner occupied loan on a, on a rental property. Now, most of the time, they're not going to give you any money for repairs. So unless you're buying a rehab and, and planning on doing all the repairs out of pocket or maybe it doesn't need any repairs you're probably going to want to borrow money for the repairs, in which case, 
you'll, you'll need to look outside the conventional realm, which is private lending, hard money lending, um, you know, somebody actually lending out of their retirement account. Um, but if you walk into a Wells Fargo today and say, hey, I, you know, I want to renovate this house. Give me some money for it. They're going to look at you cross-eyed. Yeah. They're, they don't have a product that fits what you're looking for. Yeah. The problem is, is you know, in my, in my experience, and I'm not trying to take anything away. We, we use Chase for most of our kind of business uh, operations banking, but not for our, not for loans for our properties because they just don't get us. They don't get what we do. And, and a lot of the people that work there are, you know, they're really kind of retail, uh, retail salespeople like, you know, they might've previously worked at the gap or something. So not trying to knock those guys, but <laughs> truthfully it's, it's not that different, right? So it'd be pretty common for us to go in and make a deposit or withdraw or do something, which I don't physically go to banks very often, but for the branch manager or a local person to say, how can we get some of your real estate business? And then, you know, only to go through several hours of discussions for them to come back and say, yeah, we don't, we don't lend to like the way you need. And we're like, well, I told you that up front, but I've just kind of played your game again. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. But, but a lot of times what they'll do is they'll send you to a local bank or a regional bank. Right. <clears throat> and those banks might have a product that suits your needs potentially. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things that's different is, uh, and you know, I'm not a banking expert, but been around the block a few times. A lot of the chases and Wells Fargo type folks in the world, a lot of the loans that they originate, they sell off. Right. That's right. And yep. so the local banks where they're different is, you know, you're probably talking to the pre you might be able to talk to the president of the bank if you walk in a bank, a bank that I've done a ton of business with. I have most of my loans for my rentals through is uh, they I think they just recently opened up a second branch, but they really just had kind of one main branch. And I walk in the door and the president sits to the left and, you know, I can shake his hand. He knows me by name and, and, and he makes decisions. Right. They make decisions right there in house. And then portfolio those, so they'll actually hold on to right. those loans. They don't have to sit, fit in some conventional box. Right. They don't have to fit into some underwriting because they're trying to package them together and sell them off. They just say this would be a good loan for us to keep in house, right? And so, really, those are those are going to be the types of of loans where you're probably going to get your best terms, right? Yeah. At a local little regional bank like that, where yeah, maybe the, it's eighty percent loan to value or eighty-five. Right. That's that is the flip side of it. If you're if you're trying to get started and you don't have a lot of money. Um, the best rates are going to be probably, um, those local banks, uh, but they're generally going to require 20% down. So if you, if you need a hundred thousand dollars for purchase and rehab, for example, you, you're going to have to have 20. Yeah. You're going to have to bring some, Which is and they're going to underwrite the snot out of you too. They're going to yeah. really look at your books before they decide to, to lend you money, pull credit, all that fun stuff. Right. Right. But, uh, but the, so those are the best rates now. Hard money rates are going to be probably the more the most expensive rates, but a lot of times they're funding deals with they some of them require five percent down just because they got burned in years past. But if you buy it right, uh, I think you can still find people that are, will allow you to get by with no money down. Those are trickier to find. Most of yeah. at least the ones here in Atlanta still want some sort of skin in the game. Right, I agree. I agree. But there's it's interesting, you know, as we sit here beginning of 2018 now, hard to believe that um, that. It just seems like everybody and their brother is a lender now. Like That's just so people, true. you know, they just, the market is so hot that just everybody, everybody's become a, a private lender and they all have different terms, right? Yeah. When we, and I, it, I did the same thing actually. I've done a lot of lending out of our retirement account. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, really, if you're, if you decide to become a lender because you've got some money, uh, it's, it's great passive way. Just make sure that you know who you're lending to and what you're getting into. Cause as I actually learned this last year, I had to take some houses back. It can be a real pain in the butt ah. if you don't 
lend to the right person. Yeah. 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 Well, I will. And I will say, uh, based on just what you just said, I think if, if you're getting started and you're doing some deals, it's important to build a relationship up with whoever your lender is. And, um, you know, you just kind of date for a while and then things, things can get more serious, which means they rely on you a little, they're, they're a little more uh, lenient with you and you might start to get some better rates even too. The other thing to talk about is terms. So, you know, there's different ways you can set up your loan. Obviously, if you can get 0% down and it's, you know, it's all their money, that's fantastic, especially if they're doing acquisition and they're doing repair money. Obviously, once you figure out how many points they're going to get, if any, an interest rate, you know, you know how much the money's going to cost you. But the other thing you can negotiate is whether you're making monthly payments or not. Right. Yeah. Some Which, people just do uh, interest only payments. Some people do no payments until you've paid off your loan, right? Yep. A lot of people, that's how we structure ours typically is that it's just a balloon. Yeah. So once, once the house sells, all that accrued interest gets paid back to the lender. Yeah. Which if you don't have a lot of money, uh, that's good. You don't have to have taken out a loan and then keep, start paying it back while you're in the process of rehabbing your house. Cause I don't know about you, Ken, my, when we rehab houses from the time we take it down to the time we rehab it, um, remarket it, and sell it and close is on average, uh, it's, it could be all over the board, but about four months probably. Sure. Depends on how extensive yeah. the rehab is, right? But That's right. Yeah. Yep. Four months could be six months. If the house doesn't sell immediately, it just depends. Right. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. you always want to give yourself enough runway too. I mean, a lot of hard money lenders set up their loans for six months, um, but that could get hairy, you know, if all of a sudden you're at six months and you're, you know, it took a long time to get rehabbed and it's not sold yet or hasn't closed, then what... It, What's your extension look like? Do you have the ability to extend? Can they take the house back? These are all things you want to take a hard look at before you get yourself in a pinch. Absolutely. Well, Ken, let's let's give everybody some um, some action oriented stuff real fast as we kind of finish out this episode. So, uh, hard money. I would say one of the things you can do in your mar- depending on where you are, um, is you know there's a lot of Facebook groups, there's a lot of uh, meetup groups. Is just to kind of ask around who's who's in your market that's a lender, and you're going to get a mixture of probably mostly hard money type people, maybe some banks. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes there are people in, you know, sometimes in Dallas, in my market here with people that I have a relationship with that I know, sometimes I fund deals for them and I just say, Hey, let's just split the profit and I'll fund it and I'll, I'll even rehab it for you. So do some JV stuff once in a while. Um, there might be some opportunities to find people like that, you know, based on what market you're in. Yep. I think networking is is just the key. I mean, go to a local RIA, find other people that are rehabbing in your market, talk to title companies and attorneys. They know who's lending money in town. Yeah, because um, they're closing all these loans for them. Right, and uh, and that's a great way to find some 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 people that have money. But then also, I mean, very simply, I'd say the first person to talk to friends and family. Find somebody if you know somebody's got some money and it's not you know it's earning one percent in a CD. They might be interested in making, you know, 10, 12, 15% on something. Right, right. And that'll be, that'll often be the most uh, patient and flexible money you can find. That's right. It's from an individual. Because individuals don't, you know, unless they have a banking background, they don't think about origination points and they're not thinking about a whole bunch of documentation, although you should clearly document what, it, what your relationship is, but they're just not going to put you, they're not going to underwrite you like a bank would or even underwrite your deal like a bank would. They're going to, most of the trust they're going to put is going to be based on you, where, as where a hard money lender, they care a lot less about you and just more about the asset itself. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. But there's lots of good options. 
but do not let the you know, sourcing money stop you from getting into flipping houses or from rehabbing. There is money available 100%. You just got to know where to look for it. Yeah. So when people tell me that, I agree. Don't let that be an excuse. That is not an excuse to keep you out of the business. Every one of us had to overcome that. Ken, Ken and I both had to figure it out. Yep. And uh, don't let that uh, hold you back. Even if you get started like Ken did and, and even like I did with assigning properties, uh, once you're kind of doing deals and you don't really need a lot of your own money, then you can figure out if you come across one you want to rehab, you know, how you might handle that. That's right. Yep. Awesome. Well, Ken, I think, we, I think we've talked this one to death. You ready to wind it down? <laughs> Hopefully it's been helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, we'll see you on our next episode. Thanks for joining Take us on care. The Deal Farm. Did you like today's episode of the Deal Farm Real Estate Investing Show? If so, please help us out by visiting dealfarm.net, then following the links to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play to subscribe to the show and leave us a positive review. Your reviews mean the world to us and keeps us inspired to keep bringing you new content each week. Thanks for your help and see you on the next episode.